Shop the Chemist Warehouse Boxing Day sale and get half price off the INC Sports range. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Three on the SNZ Breakfast Show for your holidays. It's Manoia and Mitch with you, as well as uh, Logan and Kez through in the producers' booth. Uh, Logan has just swept his fringe across his face and put his eyeliner on. Uh, we're going deep into the early 2000s emo music, and I am here for it myself. Um, it is Mitch and Manoia for breakfast. As I mentioned, we'd love to hear from you on the Kennards Hire phone line 0800 150811, or you can get in touch on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Double eight double three, or you could ring Mitch directly. His phone number is 027. <laughs> nice try, nice try. Uh, Black Caps uh, on 165 for no loss. Uh, we have one of the best, if not the best, commentary teams going around on radio at the moment. One of them joins us right now to talk all about it. Ben Strang. G'day, Ben. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good morning. Very well. Very, very good uh, performance last night by the batsman. Yeah, absolutely, man. A, a very strong performance from uh, both T- Tom Latham and Devin Conway. We don't want to jinx them, um, but do you reckon <laughs> they could kick on a little bit from here as well? I, I don't think there'll be any excuses because the pitch doesn't look like it's particularly menacing. The bowling attack doesn't look like it's particularly menacing. There's been only really one chance that you know could have been a wicket, but Pakistan did not review. Devin Conway edging one from one of the spinners, a little under edge, which only the keeper sort of realised, but not enough that, that he decided to, you know, get Bubba's arm to, to review it. So there there are no excuses. It's only going to be the batsmen getting themselves out at this point, it, it seems, especially on a day three wicket, which, like I say, shouldn't be offering up any uh, any dangers to these batsmen. Yeah, it was one of those moments where you wish Tim Southey was your captain. <laughs> he certainly would have pulled the trigger, wouldn't he? <laughs> I, I was actually quite fascinated when he was uh, captaining that he that he didn't necessarily pull the trigger at certain occasions when um, other bowlers, let's say, were were with the ball. When you know, if he was uh, if he was not the skipper and he was bowling himself, he would have been probably up in arms that people weren't reviewing for him. So that was quite interesting. Yeah, it was. Um, look, uh, I guess you, you've watched the first couple of days. Um, it's just kind of um, the opposite in terms of what's happened with England, right? It's, it feels like back to being a, a normal test match, like a war of attrition. Um, how do you th- feel about a result? Are we going to get a result? Or we saw the odds of, of having a draw have come into $1.76 as well. Do you think that's more on the cards, Ben? I think a draw certainly is very much on the cards. But we have also seen from the England-Pakistan matches and, and other matches in the past in the subcontinent that the two first inning scores can be quite high uh, and you can still get a result on the last two days. I think that with uh, New Zealand's bowling attack, they probably do have a good chance if they can get a good lead in the first innings to use the variety of the spin that they have, an off spinner, uh, crucially to some of the left-handed batsmen, um, but also, you know, a leg spinner, the, the left arm spinner. I think that variety 
you know, also a right arm paceman, left arm paceman. There's just so much variety in the Black Caps attack that they do have an opportunity to potentially uh, get through Pakistan on, you know, late on day four, um, early on day five, that sort of thing. But they do need to get a good lead here, I would say. They need uh, two, maybe 300 if they can to get ahead. That's going to be a massive ask, but um, it's, it's it, you know, it, it is in play. Yeah, you spoke uh, spoke about the bowlers, Ben. Um, obviously, you've seen the first innings, the Pakistan batting innings. Um, who impressed you from a bowling bowling front for the New Zealanders, and who who did you want to see a little bit more from? Well, to be to be honest, the person who impressed me most on on a dead wicket was Tim Southey. His accuracy, uh, just proving that he is the spearhead of this New Zealand attack, even though he's now you know also leading the side. Um, I think for him to, to take three for 60-odd on a wicket like this, just being extremely economical was was very impressive. Otherwise, I thought the, the finger spinners did a fairly good job. I think Ish Sodi was particularly rusty. You could see that he hasn't played test cricket in a long time. Uh, hasn't played that much first-class cricket, to be honest. Uh, where, you know, a lot of drag downs, uh, over-pitch deliveries, that sort of thing. The other two spinners were also rusty, don't get me wrong, but I was impressed with some of the variety that they were bowling, some big turners, some that just skidded on. There was there was questions being asked, so I was also impressed by the finger spinners. A um, lot has been said about the, the lineup, mainly by myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd, I'd love to know, like, uh, with the absence of Ross Taylor, um, who do you see long-term fitting into that number four role? Because I feel like it's a up in the air at the moment uh, with Conway moving up the top for this series. Yeah, that's a really good question. I I thought it would be Devin Conway. Um, it, it seemed to be he seemed to be the heir apparent to take that. He is of a very similar quality to to Ross Taylor, and his numbers in his first uh, few matches in Test cricket are absolutely phenomenal. I think maybe the emergence of Daryl Mitchell in the past year has meant that they have been able to to rethink the equation. I think Will Young did okay opening the batting, but maybe the temperament that Devin Conway has, they think that suits at the top better. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like I say, if Daryl Mitchell can come in and you can have Daryl Mitchell, Henry Nichols, Tom Blundell in that sort of four to six range, that that's a very, very strong middle order. I mean, it's um, I think it's just a situation where you've got to pick, uh, you've got to fit two of the three of Daryl Mitchell, uh, Devin Conway and... Will Young into a side, and at the moment Will Young is is third in that list. Mm. So uh, it, it's a it's a for now. I think we just have to go with the hot hands, and and at the moment that's Daryl Mitchell and, and Devin Conway, who you know Devin Conway's just broken the record for fastest to a thousand runs for New Zealand. And if Daryl Mitchell can get past uh, you know fifty nine sixty, uh, he's gonna gonna rebreak that record in the same Test match, go one faster. So it's um. Mm. I think we just ride these guys while we can. Talking about another legend of New Zealand cricket, uh, the man who charges in all day long, Neil Wagner. Um, look, uh, I, what was your take on Neil Wagner in that first innings? Obviously being starved or a bit of long-form cricket. Um, how did you think he went in his first innings run out? I think he extracted as much as he could out of the wicket, but uh, he, he does appear to have dropped pace. And I, I think that... It's hard to judge on on a wicket in Pakistan where where it's hot and it's humid whether that's uh, uh, Neil Wagner genuinely losing sort of five to ten clicks on the speedometer or if it is uh, conditions playing a part in that. 
Um, it, certainly, <laughs> it's pretty hard to, to not play him in England earlier this year on wickets that are very conducive to his kind of bowling. Mm. And then saying, but yeah, we won't play you there, but we'll play you in uh, in Karachi where you're going to get absolutely no help at all from the wicket. So I actually found it very difficult to, to tell, but I, I certainly his speed numbers were down and that is a slight concern. You mentioned the wicket there and this is something that I've been um, picking Mitch's brain about. It seems to me that uh, everybody is, tends to stack the deck, the Australians uh, being the worst in this, in this instance, uh, in their favour. If you know what I mean? So so that yeah. the World Test Championship just becomes, can you beat someone at their home ground? Have Pakistan missed a trick here, not not turning up something that, uh, that can bamboozle us? Or have they prepared a pitch that they think plays into their hands as well? Uh, yeah. I think in some ways they must think that the conditions can play into their hands. This is... This has been no surprise what this Karachi wicket is like. As we've heard Richard Petrie in the commentary the first two days talk about when he played there in 2001, and the the wicket is no different than it was then. It's basically uh, mud rolled, you know, rolled mud with uh, with grass shavings. There, no actual live grass. Nothing has changed. So, and, and if you go back to say the 90s and and that when when New Zealand teams could go over there. We were being undone by reverse swing by, by mm. Waka Yunus and Wazi Makram. So it, it wasn't the, the wickets themselves that were, well, I mean, they, they played a part in, in, in changing the condition of the ball and allowing the reverse swing, but it wasn't the wickets that were seeming all over the place or anything. So I think this is a, a, a Pakistan test wicket. I, I do wonder if their team is best equipped to get the most out of it. I, I'm not saying that New Zealand is necessarily better equipped. I do question... Pakistan not picking an off spinner, for instance, when we do have three very good left uh, left-handed batsmen in the top six, and you, I would have thought you wanted to spin, you know, to spin the ball away from them, but um, they're finding it fairly easy with the ball turning back into them. So when we pick play back up on day three, how do you how do you see uh, day three playing out? Well, I mean, at first, I think the the first thing that Devin Conway and Tom Latham will be doing is just just getting themselves back in. I think they'll want to get through that first hour or so unscathed, and then I imagine they'll be wanting to pick up the pace slightly. I think as soon as they both reach three figures, it, it, uh, you know, touch wood that happens, mm. um, then then they'll be sort of reassessing and seeing if they can pick up the run rate. I think a, a good day of batting on this by New Zealand, if they can, uh, you know bring up say let's say 350 runs which I don't think is is uh, out of uh, you know out of the question then they should be ahead in the game by the end of the day and then they can really assess what they can can do to dictate the play in the final two days brilliant we greatly appreciate your time Ben um, appreciate your uh, efforts on the call as well as I mentioned at the top of the interview we've got a stellar uh, commentary team here at SCNZ go well mate and enjoy uh, day three Thank you so much. Enjoy it. Cheers, mate. That's Ben Strang there, as I mentioned, part of our uh, wonderful SENZ uh, commentary team. Sound, I'm, I'm feeling so much more positive about us being in the uh, the driver's seat about of this one, Mitch. Do you think a, a tons? I mean, again, we don't want to jinx them, but uh, yeah. do you think a tons on the cards for both of our both of our openers? Um, look, I hope so. Um, I think they've got off to a fantastic start, and it's what you need. Um, it's a really interesting situation right it's going to be a test of Tim Southey's captaincy in his first test um, all the talk's been around Tim Captain, uh, Tim's captaincy being based about, around being aggressive yep. um, and there's ways of being aggressive 
you know, I feel like if they're going to have to up the scoring rate. So who are they going to put up the order if these guys get off to a really good start, get us to two, three hundred, um, to be able to accelerate the game and put us in a position to win it? Um, or does he go the other route and go, okay, cool, we haven't batted fast enough, we get to the end of the day, we're close to their score, to try and force a result, do we declare behind? Right. Do we do we take like the draw because we get two hundred hundred runs ahead, and then for them to kind of start get a game, they need to get 100, 200 runs ahead, which they'll just bat for the end of the game. So, like, do you declare behind a hundred runs? Um, let them go out and bat and almost manufacture a result, yeah. like which sometimes happens here in domestic cricket. Yeah, it's not you're not supposed to, <laughs> but no. like it's it's uh, but that would be a, a style of aggressive captaincy. It'd which be a statement. It would be a statement saying, "Well, we are here to win. We're not here to because they can't they can't get anywhere in the World Test Championship, right? No. Um, so what are they out there to do? They went out there to win tests, and that would be one way of actually. You know, trying to force Pakistan Pakistan into a position of forcing result. Yeah, and as you mentioned, like it's a new captain, Tim Southey, and not that he's got anything to prove on the world stage, but obviously any new captain, he's going to want to make his mark. And I think as Kiwis, we would rather watch our team lose trying to win than get a draw trying to get a draw. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think there's, I think that's a new new age of people who want mm. to watch Test cricket. You want to see what what they're doing with England. You want to not be afraid of losing um, to win a Test match, but you've also got to respect like how how much of a grind it can. Some of the most yeah. exciting finishes to Test matches that one at Eden Park with England, where you know you have everyone around the bat just trying to save a draw. Yes, that stuff's like that, Th- it's also photos. Test cricket, right? Like yeah. fighting out for a draw, just trying to stay in the battle. Um, who was that's our, pretty exciting. The South African captain who broke his hand and had to come back. Graham Smith. Graham Smith limping yes. back out to the crease, yes. and then uh, I think was it Johnson just putting every single one of them trying to hit his glove. No, unbelievable. Those are the things that we we love like about. Test cricket, yeah. um, you know, that pressure around the bat, that kind of stuff at the end of a test match. So does that get taken out of the game if you are trying to only trying to win, you know, sometimes? So I've got a, um, I've written down a whole bunch of stupid questions that I'm going to ask you towards the end of the show. And these are all things that I wanted to know about uh, professional cricket, the difference between that and, uh, you know, your local knockabout cricket. As well, but one of the questions I, I wanted to ask you now is is how. So we talk about um, in cricket, you know, different phases of batting. You know, your accumulation phase, this phase, that phase. Is that a uh, a call that's made by someone in the team? Is it more just dependent on how the game's going? Like, for example, when we come out today, you said maybe they might go aggressive, try and put a bunch of runs on the board early. Maybe they try uh, to clear a hundred behind or whatever. Is that explicitly told to the batsmen before they go out there? This is exactly what we're going to try and do, how we're going to try and do it, and are there targets that they have to hit throughout the innings? Yeah, they'll have conversations with the with the coach um, and the skipper around and what they are trying to achieve. Mm. Um, in Test match cricket, they'll have session-by-session targets. Um, I know for a period there when Craig McMillan was in charge of the one-day side batting batting unit when he was the batting coach, mm. and, and Bob Carter as well, they used to have targets of what, what was the score that you needed to achieve on a certain uh, ground? Right. And they break it down into like 15 over increments, um, like three blocks basically, um, 15 overs, and then obviously your 20, and then the finishing part. So right. they do have those targets. And which then is, I guess do they just readjust, you know, depending, uh, yeah. On so, yeah, and so it's like, like yeah, exactly. So um, generally you'll find a lot in the longer format of the game. Um, 
teams will target trying to get through a session without losing more than one wicket or two wickets. Right. Um, as opposed to like, oh, how many runs have we got to score here? Mm. Um, that's probably an old school way of thinking of it. But, uh, I think the game's going to change into okay, we are going to set run targets yeah. or we are going to set targets against certain bowlers in certain sessions uh, more so. I think it'll get a little bit more um, specific in terms of the targets that they're going to set in the future. Yeah, right. And who, I mean, obviously it's a it's a group decision, but how much impact does the captain have on that versus the coach? So what, what I guess I'm getting at is, would there be a difference in Kane Williamson being the captain in this instance versus Tim Southey? Or is it all Gary Stead's uh, decision or is it all sort of decided by how the game's playing out at the time? Mm. Um, I would say with with Southey being skipper, I think he'll take control a lot more than um, potentially Kane and Steady. I think they, they thought along similar lines. I right. thought they were like on more on the conservative side of, of making decisions. Where I think Tim will be a little bit more gun ho, a bit more brash, a bit more yeah, let's go get it um, kind of thing. Um, and like I think I think the positive thing of that is that he's got like nothing to prove. Like he's yeah. at the end of his basically towards the back end of his career. Um, he'll just been going out trying to rack up test wins. Um, he wouldn't want to. Uh, who knows how long his tenure is going to be? He wouldn't want to be a test captain who finished without a win, you know. So <laughs> get one on the board early. Try yeah. set something up. But would there ever be times, and I'm sure this does happen, where and I, I guess they would have this plan going into the test. But would there ever be times where the coach is thinking, "Hey, listen, I think we should be going for this," where the captain might say, "Well, actually, mate, I, I think we should try this," and when that happens, is it a case by case basis of of who gets to make that call? Oh, geez. Uh, look, generally... Um, You're all on the same page going into it, would you Well, imagine? yeah, they they definitely do have disagreements, mm. like um, all teams do, right? Yeah. Um, and You and I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really tough one, right? It's like it's how, how powerful is your skipper so and how powerful is your coach right. um, and who really holds that, that status, I guess. Yeah. Um, like you'll often see... You'll often see if you've got a powerful captain, you often see him give the coach a bit of grace for three or four games in terms of selection. Um, right. And then they'll step in and they'll go, nah, we're doing it my way now and and, and take the reins. Um, but if, you, if you've got people to get on, then yeah, um, then they'll probably make the decisions together. Yeah. Uh, we've had a text through on double eight double three, the temper and bed post text line, uh, drawing overseas is a good result. Southie will try and do a McCullum and lose. Do you yep, agree with no, that? No, that's that, that's fair. Um, I I can see exactly what you're saying. I, I do believe drawing overseas is a good result, um, particularly in the, these spinning conditions. Mm. Um, mind you, the spin looks quite slow and it's quite a docile wicket. So, and from what Ben was saying just before, we might even have the edge as far as yeah. the spinners are concerned. Yeah, yeah, I, we probably do. Um, I guess that's it's right now. We're not in the Test Championship, right? Like mm. we we can't make it. Um, we're out of it, so yeah, he he, he might. I, I guess that's so. On my theory on on why Saudi's captain is, I think Gary Stead was under some pressure. 
Um, and I think he wants to try and change something in the way New Zealand cricket is, is playing their cricket or right. the Black Caps are playing their cricket. So I think, yeah, there's a, there's a high chance that Stead is on board with Saudi potentially trying to push the game forward and risk losing because he, you know, that might take some pressure off him that he's the person who changed New Zealand cricket's <laughs> test approach uh, as it. well, yeah. A little bit, yeah, brilliant. Uh, thoroughly enjoying this chat. Keep the text coming through, double eight, double three, or give us a call on the... Uh, Oh, I've lost it. The Kennard's higher phone line. I apologise. Uh, 0800 150 811. That's 0800 150 811. Big hour of cricket still to come at 9.30. We're going to be talking to Jonty Rhodes, our South African cricket great and SEN commentator talking the Australia v South Africa Boxing Day test. We'll be right back after this ad.